Cheryl Ackeson, welcome. It is great to have you back with the AmeriChicks and Kim Munson. Thank you for having me. And uh, Cassie George, we have a marvelous millennial in studio with us. And uh, she's like, I'm not sure I really am familiar with this whole story. So can you set this up for Cassie, please? Um, you're talking about the lawsuit yep. for the computer intrusion? Exactly. I'm sorry. Yes. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so, some years ago, around 2013, when working at CBS News, really maybe even 2012, some sources came to me in the Intel community and suggested I was likely being monitored because of the reporting work that I was doing. And it sounded crazy because at the time we didn't know the government was doing just that to other journalists. But long story short, I had multiple forensic exams conducted that confirmed a long-term monitoring effort with government software, monitoring every keystroke, obtaining access to my passwords, getting access to the CDF news system, and somebody even planted classified documents. Sorry about my voice this morning. Planted classified documents in my computer as well. And so all of those were done by someone with government IP addresses and access. Well, and Cheryl, somebody said that they thought that you were at your computer one time and that your, the cursor was moving and you weren't moving your cursor. Is that true? Yes. After all of this initial work, with a separate computer than the ones that are at issue in the lawsuit, um, yes, indeed, I was able to record and grab my camera when this happened, my phone, and there was deletion basically high-speed deletion of work that I was doing in real time. And it was told to me by my forensics experts that that remote access was done just in a way to send me a message, probably, to let me know that they could do that and that they were watching what I was doing. What went through your mind at that time? I mean, as you're telling me this, I have a little knot in my stomach. What? I mean, that's pretty scary. It, it is in one sense, but... I tried to use it as motivational because the other choice is to get really freaked out and motivated. And I thought to myself, at least we had evidence in hand, which I really wouldn't have thought we could get when, when people first suggested this happened. I, I really didn't think there'd be any way to prove it. But the forensics, I'm told, are really as good as a fingerprint in some respects, especially the presence of government IP addresses in the computer where it shouldn't have been and where it doesn't belong. That's excellent evidence. So I used that to push forward and basically motivate um, myself to find out more. I had some support, not from press groups and civil rights groups, ironically, but from a very liberal uh, attorney who said this is really one of the worst violations of a private citizen he'd ever seen. So he helped me pursue this in, in a court of law. We're now on appeal because the government has claimed special immunity to government officials from civil lawsuits, which they do have. But we are arguing that this fits under an exception and that there are other reasons why our case is important. Wow. Okay. Now, one thing I, I neglected to mention, that you are the host of Sinclair Sunday's TV program, Full Measure. Uh, and so you're, I mean, this is an important story that we're talking about. But at this point, you're doing a whole lot of different things. If people go to your website, I mean, there is all kinds of, of information there about different uh, issues. And so you are the host of Sinclair Sunday's TV program, Full Measure. So let's go ahead and continue on with this then. Because uh, you had oral arguments 
Uh, regarding this particular case with the DOJ and the FBI, I think that that was at the end of January. What happened? The government had time to argue why my case, now in its fourth year, it kind of sat there for about three years. It should not continue. One of the arguments, as I mentioned, is government officials have immunity. They also argued that because I haven't been able to identify the name of the John Doe federal agents, I'm suing John Doe's at this point, who did the intrusion that the case should come to an end. And we argued, how could we possibly have the names when we had virtually no time for discovery and every subpoena we sent to the government to learn information and get documents was met by a legal objection on their part. We got not a single paper from them in the short time we had for discovery. So they're arguing because we, because they didn't give, this is our view, they didn't give us the information we would need to get the names. They're saying because we don't have the names, the case shouldn't continue. We, of course, are arguing we had no chance to get the names. And there are three judges that listened to this appeal. One seemed like he totally got that. He sort of argued the point, gee, this was done surreptitiously. How would she be able to have the name if you don't give them to her? <laughs> Another asked a lot of tough questions and seemed to think, you know, that we should have the names through the short discovery that we had. And then one didn't speak much, but we'll, they'll vote, and I guess in the near future tell us what they think. And we either appeal or we go back to the trial court. And the, the, the government, if it appeals, can also, I'm sorry, if it loses, can also appeal. And the government, of course, has unlimited tax money to fight this. I mean, that's the strategy, that the winning strategy in most cases for government. They win most of their cases because who really has the money? Um, and the time and the effort and the energy to go through what they put you through, they make sure it's not easy. Well, And so you have a GoFundMe, don't you, for your legal costs, or you have a, a place where people can actually help you out with those legal costs? I do. If anyone's interested, it's GoFundMe, Atkinson Fourth Amendment Litigation Fund that uh, some lawyers and advocates started when that there were no press groups or civil rights groups that have stepped in to assist. So I appreciate that very much. Okay. And then at this point, let's mention a couple of your books as well. Your your latest one, is that Smear? Is that right? Yes, that's the latest one. And then the earlier one, sort of a sequel, I consider it, to Stonewall. Okay. So uh, fascinating reading on that as well. Now, you know, Cheryl, let's, what were you reporting on? that you think got the uh, FBI and the Department of Justice uh, their attention? And this would be, let's see, the FBI under, under Comey. Is this Comey's FBI that was spying on you? It was. Uh, it started prior to that, so it would have started at least under Mueller and then continued under Comey. Um, you mean the Mueller? To... The Mueller of the Mueller investigation? The Mueller. <laughs> <laughs> My. This is sort of a different topic that you didn't specifically ask about, but I thought it might be interesting to hear. I think my case is part of a larger surveillance scandal. It's not that important in the big scheme of things, except I think that it reflects the government was doing this to politicians, to journalists. And if Mueller is part of an investigation, it is actually, it could be argued, um, misdirecting attention to Russia, which Donald Trump may have actually been, say, framed allegedly by some intel officials on the Russia to make it look like he had done certain things in Russia, and leak, you know, the intel community leaked and tried to undermine him. 
if Mueller is investigating that aspect to, in the big picture perhaps, cover for misdirect improprieties by our intelligence community in a bigger sense over many years, then he's sort of a conflicted figure. And I think that argument can be made, but nobody has really made it. So yes, Mueller was FBI director at the time, and um, I was covering all kinds of stories. Mostly I do non-political reporting. Mm. But if you want to make reporting political in any sense, you could say, you know, fast and furious. I was covering that at the time. No one knew that was going to go all the way to the White House. You know, I certainly didn't when I started covering it, but that was a very sensitive issue. I was covering um, stories about Republicans as well. Um, and I covered a lot of corporate stories. I was covering side effects from prescription drugs. So I didn't know exactly what it would be except the sources that hinted to me the government was starting these distasteful practices and doing it more and more. These sources indicated it was because of my fast and furious reporting at the time. And we do know the intruders accessed those files specifically. And then I went on to cover Benghazi, which became another sensitive topic. So um, the forensics experts believe there were several stages to the monitoring. It went on for a long time. And, you know, the, st- the first stage is probably began around the time of Fast and Furious. Well, you know what? Let's talk about Fast and Furious. And I'm looking at your website right now, and it's CherylAtkison.com. And, and that's a, uh, A-T-T-K-I-S-S-O-N. Uh, you just published something regarding Fast and Furious, and you say the victim's family makes the case for the wall. So let's chat about that. And before we go to break, uh, actually, maybe we need to go to break, but one other thing I, I, I want to ask you. And that is, is that I have always found it really interesting when uh, Supreme Court Justice John Roberts um, ruled in favor of Obamacare. And as I'm hearing this, you know, what happened to you and that, that there might have been surveillance on all kinds of different politicians, I, I, I wonder if somebody strong-armed him. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Well... I think it's possible. I I just think we can look at the evidence that's come out over the past couple of years. There has been no public evidence that President Trump, quote-unquote, conspired with Putin to win the election, but there's been a lot of evidence that's come out on what I call this secondary scandal about our intelligence community and alleged surveillance abuses in the secretive FISA court and otherwise with wiretaps. I mean, I know you have to go to break, but they wiretap poor Carter Page over and over and over. You're not supposed to do that lightly. That's supposed to be someone you have evidence that he's a foreign spy, and they never charged him. So they monitored a guy for over a year, which means they got to monitor all his contacts and all of their contacts for over a year, with unable to either produce charges or to find anything in the end. And I think that's pretty um, serious indication of potential abuse right there. Wow, that is terrifying. So, uh, Cheryl Atkinson, yes, let's go to break. When we come back, uh, I have Cassie George in studio with me. Uh, let's talk about this piece that you just published uh, yesterday regarding Fast and Furious, uh, Victims, Family Makes Case for the Wall. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. 
Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter and a son. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we have to have these conversations. Uh, offering a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me a marvelous millennial. That is Cassie George. It's great having you here. Thank you. Good to and be here. And we have on the line with us Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, you, uh, you know her. She is the host of Sinclair Sunday's TV program, Full Measure. Uh, she had been a CBS reporter, and the government had spied on her. She's hard-hitting. She's a woman of great courage. And uh, I tell you, Cheryl, we had you on, I, I don't know, a month or so ago, and, and people reached out. A lot of them had not totally understood your story, but they so thoroughly enjoyed the interview that that's why we wanted to get an update on what happened with the oral argument. So it sounds like you made the arguments, and now we're just waiting for the judge's decision on that, right? We are, and Thank you for your interest. I really appreciate that. It is, and it's sort of a complex story to tell. It's gone on for so many years. So I appreciate the viewer's interest or your listener's interest. Well, most definitely. So, hey, let's talk about this piece that you just published yesterday. Uh, it says, Fast and Furious Conviction, the victim's family makes the case for the wall. So uh, what what happened here? Well, you know, this case of Fast and Furious where the government secretly allowed thousands of weapons to fall into the hands of Mexican drug cartels, believe it or not, and tried to keep that secret once I started reporting on it. It led to many deaths, and we don't know all of the deaths, but we do know that two, um, several people that came across the border illegally in 2010 with a group of, they call it RIP teams, these illegal immigrants, criminals, that prey on other illegal immigrants who are crossing the border illegally, rob them and uh, do other things. Well, Border Patrol had a team patrolling to protect the good illegal immigrants from the bad illegal immigrants at the time, and they got ambushed by this RIT team. And Brian Terry, Border Patrol agent, was murdered by these criminals using guns that had been trafficked in the government's operation Fast and Furious. So many people think that made the government culpable, our own government. But they've been tracking down and trying people that were part of that group ever since. And one of these men was convicted just yesterday in Tucson, Arizona, first-degree murder for the killing of that Border Patrol agent. And the argument for the wall is the family is very pro-border you know, border security, and they issued a press release, as I mentioned in the story, that said they feel as though if, if there had been a wall and better security that Brian Terry would be alive today. Boy, that's really it's really tragic to to lose a loved one, but to, in this particular manner. And and you know, if we are, 
when lives are, are given in protection of, you know, citizens like this, I mean, it, it's always tragic. But I think that we have a responsibility to make sure that we're doing everything that we possibly can to keep our citizens safe. And uh, this whole border wall thing is, as Cassie and I were talking about it earlier in the show, uh, because it looks like President Trump is going to sign the deal that is going to be presented to him, uh, doesn't have all the money that he wants, but I think... I think there's something in there. I think he got Nancy Pelosi to go from zero to $1.4 billion approximately, and I think that that's success. But we have a responsibility as, as citizens to support the people that have their lives on the front line there and try to make sure that they have the tools and, and the protection that they need. And um, it's beyond me, Cheryl Atkinson, why um, the kind of the progressive activists on the the Democrat side of the aisle – um, do not want to have a wall. What's your opinion on that? Well, I will say I see, I try to see both sides of a lot of arguments. I know a lot of people see the wall as ineffective and problematic. I know there's data that both sides can point to. But I will tell you from the standpoint of criminal aspects, I dug into this to see, is it true that we know illegal immigrants commit fewer crimes, more crimes, or what the facts are? And I found that Stats gathered by, in fact, Obama officials under the Obama administration show a shocking number of crimes committed by illegal immigrants. And it shows that how many percentage-wise are filling our, pr- our prisons today, according to stats. And these are minimum numbers. They, they said they can't possibly capture all the numbers because some states don't report them. But the minimal numbers we know of show a disproportionately high number of inmates in our federal prisons and in our state and local prisons are illegal immigrants compared to legal citizens disproportionate to their presence in this country. And they have been, despite what you may hear, uh, charged with crimes thousands and thousands over a period of couple, just a couple of years of murders, rapes, terrorist crimes, and all kinds of serious felonies. And so when people say, they don't commit crimes or they don't commit crimes at a larger rate. The actual factual statistics that I found um, show that there is a huge problem, and it's very costly as well to handle all of that criminal processing and to house them in our prisons as well. Yeah, Cassie, did you have a question? No, I I totally agree with what she's saying, and I think it's, you know, how do you you know, tell the the parents, and there was actually a case where, I, I mean, of course it didn't get much media coverage, but I guess they're called angel moms, or mm-hmm. um, they have a certain term where they are the moms of children that have been killed by illegal immigrants. And they went to Nancy Pelosi's office and asked to speak with her, and of course she would not <coughs> speak with them. But, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like they forgot that this is our country, and how are you supposed to defend people from another country when they're hurting the people in your country? I mean, it's it's just very, very backwards. So, no, I agree with everything you're saying, Cheryl. Well, the aspect of not want whatever you want, maybe perhaps you do think you want more immigrants to this country, you want to make it easier. I certainly don't think most people want to make it legal to come in illegally, per se. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you're an open borders person, I do discuss this with friends and colleagues. Let's say you think everybody should be able to come to the U.S. It still comes back around having to have a process because everyone agrees we couldn't take in a billion people tomorrow and a billion people would probably want to come here. We don't have mm-hmm. jobs or the schools or the, or the money, so therefore we would have to establish an orderly process, which is what we've tried to do. Yeah. And you know, Which most developed that, countries have. There's an orderly process, I, I, but also they turn people away. 
It's not uncommon for so, yeah. you to get turned away from leaving your country and going into another. And I, I think that's what people don't understand. Well, one irony I was thinking of is a friend of mine told me that they lost, they had someone they were traveling with who lost their passport mm. when they were traveling, and they couldn't get back in the U.S. So it's yeah. hard for an American citizen yeah. with a passport on record to get into our country, and yet it's easier in some respects, in some places, for people to come in illegally. Well, well, this is, uh, you know, this is so interesting regarding this Fast and Furious. And I kind of forgotten that you were one of those uh, reporters that was on this early. Uh, and then very quickly, Benghazi, um, you, you were on that as well. What's, what would you uh, tell our listeners about Benghazi? Well, that we'll never know a lot of what happened because, for example, photographs taken the night um, at the White House, which would show what the president was doing. Um, that sort of thing were never turned over. I believe they've probably been destroyed by now. I, I've been asking for those for years. We'll never have the complete answers, but we, what we do know and did establish by the facts was that the government immediately knew it was a terrorist attack. And instead of allowing forces that were in the area to move there to attempt a rescue, they turned them back, despite what you'll hear that that wasn't true. That was all well documented in the end. Um, and, you know, they misled the American public on purpose in many different ways over months while discussing the terrorist nature of the attack internally, were telling us that it either wasn't or that they didn't know. So that was a huge scandal, and I suppose in the end they did that because we were right up against um, the, 2000, the 2012 election, and for some reason they decided that would be really bad for them if the public knew the truth. I, I think, actually, the public could have processed the truth, and it was worse to pretend that it was something other than what it was. Okay, and just a quick question on pictures. I do remember seeing a picture uh, of Obama, Hillary Clinton, I don't know who else was, but, you know, maybe 10 or 12 people in, uh, like, a situation room, you know, intently listening to what was going on. Um, is that the kind of pictures that you think have been destroyed now, or, or what pictures are you talking about? Well, you're probably thinking of when they were raiding the Osama bin Laden compound, they were all in the... Um situation room. Okay, okay. There are no pictures that night of Benghazi. There would have been pictures taken that night. So those pictures existed at one point in time. Everything the president does is documented or everything that's going on. They take hundreds, if not thousands of pictures and, and then release a few. None were released that night. We don't know what the president was doing. They said he was in bed, which would be very strange. Um, I believe that pictures which would tell a different story or would tell us what happened and to this day, they won't release them. Wow. So uh, just a um, minute left. Cheryl Ackeson, your website is com, and that's A-T-T-K-I-S-S-O-N.com. There's all kinds of great information there. Your books are, your latest one is Smear, and uh, the previous one was Stonewalled. And uh, what are you working on right now? Can you tell us in a minute or, or less? Yes, this weekend on Full Measure, which you can catch online if you don't have a station, fullmeasure.news. You can catch replays. I'm doing the surveillance scandal, meaning not the Russia part of the story, but the alleged abuses by our intelligence communities. So there will be an investigation on that this week. Oh, my gosh. You are doing such amazing work. Cheryl Ackeson, thank you so much for joining the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Thanks. Thanks for bearing with my losing voice. Well, thanks for doing that. We understand (laughs) early morning voices. We get that.